Let me say, I always appreciate the prayers that are offered on my behalf, particularly as it relates to my preaching from the pulpit. I've often wondered, and it has crossed my mind, that what if I lost my voice? I would be out of a job. And as a preacher, I like to talk, right? But what if I lost my voice permanently? I mean, I've, I've had on occasion laryngitis, and I've gotten a little closer to the microphone so that you could hear me. But I've even dreamed about that before. What if I lost my voice permanently? I'd be out of a job. But not only am I honored and privileged to be able to use my voice in the proclamation of the gospel and in Bible studies. I love one-on-one Bible studies. But I thank you for giving me this opportunity. There is power in voice if we use it correctly. and I'm sure you can agree with me. I know that we're trying to be polite when we say something like this. You know... It, it doesn't really matter what a man sounds like in the pulpit as long as he's preaching the truth. But we really don't mean that, do we? we? We know that it takes more than just an understanding of the Bible or being able to know something about certain Bible passages in order to preach. It is also something called voice quality as well. After all, when you think about it, Would the words, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, really resonate if it didn't come from the voice of Franklin Delano Roosevelt with him behind it? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. If it wasn't for John F. Kennedy to be behind those words that were said. I have a dream, needed the voice of Martin Luther King Jr. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall if it wasn't from the voice of Ronald Reagan, the president of that time, and his powerful voice quality enough to say that. You see, there is power in voice. And so it is that the God of heaven spake and he created it all just through the use of his voice. We read about John the Immerser. He says he was a voice crying in the wilderness, right? John 1.23. Oh, the power of that voice. From the cross, Jesus would cry, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. When translated means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27.46. Or Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, Luke 23, 46. Would it have not been chilling to have stood in the very vicinity of the cross and to be able to hear the words of Jesus being spoken at that particular time? To hear the power of his voice and why he was saying that. Tonight I want to talk about a different kind of voice and that is the voice of wisdom The voice of wisdom that cries forth from the pages of God's Word. We know that the world needs more than just knowledge, more than just education, more than just information. It also needs wisdom. We have seen, just in the past year, the wisdom of many 
people that probably haven't been using the wisdom that God had given them. We all need wisdom. I mean, after all, we've got more knowledge today in our world than ever before. We have access to more information, more opportunities for education. And in this, the 21st century, right now, we have more of these things than at any time in our nation's history. And yet we are still lacking in wisdom. I often find that I'm lacking in wisdom, but it is my prayer that I'm ever gaining in wisdom. And I'm sure that you have prayed that prayer as well because I want to grow in wisdom. We, we should always study the book of Proverbs daily. 31 chapters. One chapter a day for 31 days. If the month only has 30, you might have to double up one, one day. If it only has 28, like some, some one month that we know of, you might have to double up a couple of days, right? Two or three days. But you understand what I'm saying. We could do one chapter a day of Proverbs every month for 12 months out of the year and just think of the wisdom just from the book of Proverbs. Of course, you have your other daily readings as well. But look how much wisdom we can gain from that. Of course, we should study from every book of the Bible, but a study of the book of Proverbs daily will truly give us a big dose of divine wisdom, you see. Proverbs, it's a book of sayings, wise sayings, divine wisdom, divine sayings. And when you consider that word Proverbs, uh, what does it mean? It is short sayings that is widely used to express an obvious truth, a maxim, a adage or attache, right? There are many books that have been written, filled with Proverbs by different people. An ounce of Prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's, a, it's an old proverb that states the truth. Might not be in the Bible, but somebody said it at one time. George Bailey, great gospel preacher, has always had a knack for maxims or proverbs. For example, the reason that Jesus was so interesting to others is because Jesus was so interested in others. He said that. And it wowed me. Listen to it again. Jesus was so interested and so interesting to others because Jesus was interested in others. It matters not what you say. It matters not what you save if you lose your soul. It matters not what you lose if you save your soul. Wise saying. A proverb. The way to keep from being a busybody is to keep the body busy, right? I like these kind of expressions. Maybe that's why I like the book of Proverbs so much. Proverbs, a book of divine wisdom, the book of divine sayings. It's been said that the first, five, first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs forms a connected didactic poem in which wisdom is praised. Uh, think about Psalm 119. That's a great tribute to the Bible. But the Word of God is praised in that one chapter, the longest chapter of all the Bible. 
But the book of Proverbs, wisdom is praised. Solomon was its primary author and collector, and they bear the mark of divine approval. What a man was Solomon, the son of David. I talked more about the father this morning as he admonished his son, but tonight I want us to consider something about his son. For example, in 1 Kings 4 and verse 32 and following, we learned that he spake 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. (laughs) He must have been a famed botanist. Not only that, it says that he spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. He had wisdom in all those areas. He was an expert zoologist, right? And what a counselor he was. Verse 34, And there came all of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. He prayed for his wisdom, didn't he? The prayer that he offered to, to the God of heaven was a prayer that was honored and respected by the God of heaven. And that's what God wanted to hear. This man, Solomon, he prayed for wisdom and he was wise. And so tonight, for just a few moments, let's study wisdom from the book of wisdom. And I want you to notice in particular chapter 4 of the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. And notice in chapter 4 and verse 7, where it says that wisdom is the principal thing. That's the most important thing that you can gain in life, and that's divine wisdom. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. What is the best gift a father could give to his sons and his daughters if it isn't but the gift of wisdom? Really, when you consider what David said to Solomon as David's life was about the end, he was, just willing, he was just giving wisdom to his beloved son, Solomon. Face the fact, death is just around the corner. Fix your focus. And then he gave them the formula for faithfulness. First of all, when you consider who is the author of these Proverbs, you will notice that David not only admonished his son, Solomon, But now Solomon is doing the same thing to his son. And so let's notice the father's admonition. Verses 10 and 11 of Proverbs 4. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. You know, back in the 1950s, There was a popular television show called Father Knows Best. Some of you might remember that. Starring Robert Young and Jane Wyatt and Ode to Return to shows like that. Father Knows Best. Leave it to Beaver, the Donna Reed show, where family values are extolled. And it would do us good to follow that kind of programming again. And Father Knows Best, you might remember the respect, the reverence in which the family of Jim Anderson had held to him. Father Knows Best, as a general rule, right? 
Father knows best. Fathers can make mistakes, no doubt. Mothers can make mistakes. All of us are going to make mistakes along the way. And yet if parents do not have good sense, if parents have not learned through preparation, through education, through observation, they are not ready to be parents, are they? Because you see, what our children need from us is wisdom. Wisdom that comes from and through preparation, through education, through observation, through our experiences. This idea that, that has become quite common in, our, in many circles today among our social liberals is that a child ought to be, ought to be just left to himself, unrestrained. Always let the child freely express himself without any correction, of which this is foolishness, isn't it? If this was true, if it is the kind of idea that we are to follow, then what's the need for parents? Let me tell you, dear friends, those parents that have allowed their children to express themselves growing up, that were in the grocery cart or buggy or whatever you might want to call it, in the grocery store and they're just having a fit and they won't settle until you pacify them with something. Those are the parents today. Those are the ones that are out looting and burning down buildings and carrying on like they have no restraint. I wonder why. There was no restraint when they were growing up. Why should they be restrained today? That's why there's so much turmoil in our world today. Burning the flag and buildings, tearing down statues, disrespecting authority and looting. It's all because parents did not want to hinder their children and their children's progress in life. And yet wanted them to express themselves. Let me tell you what they're doing to their children is sad. It's wrong. God said children need parents who care for the well-being of their children to learn about respect and authority. If I saw one of my granddaughters playing too close to the street, what should I do? Well, I could think, well, you know, <laughs> she needs to freely express herself, and so why would I want to restrain her? If I do, I might hurt her self-esteem. No. I don't want to upset her in any way. No. I'm going to tell her she needs to get back from the street before something happens. When I help her, I, I want her to fully comprehend the danger of what she was doing. But wisdom has taught me that children playing near a busy street is not a good thing. And I am expressing that to them so that they have that wisdom that they will know not to play near the street. Guess what they're going to teach their children? A busy street is not a place to be playing. Because I love my grandchild, I would let her know quickly to get back away from that street. Wisdom is so much needed, isn't it? We must apply wisdom to more than just the physical. Notice again, verse 10. He says, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. Why? So that the years of thy life shall be many. That's pretty simple enough. I figured that one out. 
I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. That's what wisdom will do. Wisdom will teach you what is the right path. And so apply this wisdom to our children, passing it along to them is normal. It's the natural way for parents to respond to their children. We use wisdom because we're looking out for their best interests. Put these passages down in your notes in connection with this. Matthew 7, 9. Matthew 7, 9. Looking out for our children's best interests requires wisdom. We'll look at verses 9 through 11. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asked bread... Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to you? Or he says to them that ask him. Now go from over there into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And we're looking out for the best interests of our children. That's why we seek wisdom, isn't it? Hebrews 12, verses 9 and 10. Hebrews 12, 9 and 10. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us as us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, God disciplines us for a reason. What's the reason? He's interested in our character. And wise, godly parents exercise discipline in the home for what reason? For the same reason that we are interested in the character of our children. That's right. And so what is Solomon saying back there in the long ago in Proverbs 4? Avoid that which is unhealthy. Avoid that which is unnecessary. Avoid that which is unwise. How come? Solomon says, I want you to live a long time. Look at Proverbs 4.4. Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Look at Proverbs 3.13. Probably just on the other page there. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Skip down to verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. If you want to live a long time, then apply your heart to wisdom. As a general rule, when we follow God's divine wisdom, we live longer. And for sure... We live better. And so here, we have in Proverbs 4, a father's admonition. Here's a second thing I want you to get from this particular chapter. Not only do we get a father's admonition, but we have a father's assurance. Look at these two verses, verses 12 and 13 of Proverbs 4. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Your life is dependent upon wisdom. Oh, maybe I should say it as a question. 
your life is dependent upon wisdom? If you're going to be foolish, you're going to have a rough life ahead of you. A rough road to hold. But he says, get a hold of wisdom and it will do something for you. Notice that phrase, thy steps shall not be straightened. The New American Standard Version says, thy steps shall not be impeded. The New King James Version says, your steps will not be hindered. But I think really what the text is admonishing us here is this, your paths will be enlarged, you see. If you will apply your heart to know wisdom, the path of life will not be narrowed. It will not be cramped. Opportunities will abound for you if you will be wise. Your borders will be enlarged. Life will have meaning. You will be useful. You will be somebody. Now, think about that for just a moment. Wisdom is more than just education, more than just knowledge. But think about this. If a person takes knowledge and education, along with talent and skills, and then uses wisdom, just imagine what that person can do. Be amazing. Be amazing what that person can do. Oh, a person can get education. A person could have some knowledge, some talents, but not have wisdom. They will not make it very far, will they? We could think of some great preachers from yesteryear, those who were more noble when we think of someone like George Bailey and Tom Holland and Johnny Ramsey and Wendell Winkler and just many others that through their education, through their skill, their wisdom have been those who have risen to the top of their field and in great demand. This congregation here at Central has been able to have such men as those I mentioned to do gospel meetings here for us. In fact, Johnny Ramsey preached here for three years. And oh, the wisdom of those great men. Quite a few years ago, there was a very popular book in the religious circles, and it was based upon the prayer of Jabez. You might remember that. Look at 1 Chronicles, if you will. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 9 and 10. First Chronicles 4, we'll look at verses 9 and 10. And I want us to notice the prayer of Jabez and its, its connection to Proverbs. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bury him with sorrow, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God, God granted him that which he requested. Enlarging one's borders, right? Through wisdom. Isn't that what the wise man is saying there in Proverbs 4 and verse 11 when he says that I have taught thee in the ways of wisdom, in the, I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. I am going to enlarge your borders, and I would increase your usefulness. 
Aristotle Onassis, the great Greek shipping tycoon. He, he died a billionaire. Couldn't take it with him, though. He said he discovered early in life that if he slept like two to three hours less than most people, he could get more work done and make more money. And he did. He made a lot of money. Do you know what Jesus would say about that kind of thinking? In Luke 16, in verse 8, Jesus said, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Jesus is saying, oh, if, if my people could apply that kind of thinking to the spiritual, just think how amazing that could be. It, it would be amazing of what one could accomplish by just choosing to sleep just two or three hours less to be able to help someone. If you want to see what makes churches grow and prosper, look at those who have grown and prospered. If there's something you want to do in life, something you want to accomplish, look at some others who've gone before you and see how they have done it. Follow their path. That's wisdom. Taking, you, taking your skill and knowledge and know how to use it. And so we had a father's admonition. We have the Father's assurance. You apply your heart to wisdom. But here's what's going to happen. In the third place, we have a Father's aim. Look at Proverbs 4. Let's look at verses 25 through 27. He says, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. The reason the father is instructing the son to get wisdom is because not only is he interested in the son's protection, but likewise he's interested in the son's success. And so in this text, verse 25, he said, Let thine eyes look right on. What does that mean? Have a go in life. Know where you're going. Have a purpose. Have an aim, if you will. Let's strive for it. Somebody says, well, how will I know if I had the right goal? Go back to verse 20 of Proverbs 4. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Notice verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Did you notice he says something here? Incline thy ear. Listen for wisdom. Did you know that we can tune some things out? We might call it selective listening. But we just seem to tune things out. Did you know that there are fans in each one of these lights? When it's quiet and the lights are not on, you turn on one row and you start to hear the fans. You turn on the next row, it gets a little bit louder. The third one, the fourth one, and it gets louder and louder. But we've been in here for quite a 
while already, and you don't hear those fans. Well, the air conditioner's on too. That don't help matters. But, but we seem to tune those things out, don't we? We have a clock in our room that basically we use it as a TV room. And that clock, tick, tock, tick, tock. My granddaughters know what I'm talking about because they can't sleep with that thing going on. And so it has to be stopped because they're not used to it. Why? They don't have that same kind of clock at their house. But when they're at our house and they're staying the night, we have to stop that clock. But you know what? Teresa and I don't even hear it. Oh, yeah. every so once in a while we'll hear it tick-tock, and I can, help t- I can always tell when it starts to slow down. It's time to wind it back up. It's one of those wind-up ones. But we tune those things out. Have you ever stayed in a different place and there are noises that might have been something that you're not accustomed to and you have trouble sleeping that night? Might be in a hotel, might be in a condo or some some place like that. And and it's just like, I don't know if I can sleep with that noise. What is that? Are those people going to party all night? Listen to that loud truck or car that's going by. And they keep going up and down the street. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm not accustomed to that. Jesus said something like this. Therefore, be careful how you hear. Luke 8, 18. Because if you are not careful, you can just tune some things out. Those things that you don't want to hear. Incline your ear unto wisdom. And he says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You see, a man lives out his life by what he keeps in his heart, doesn't he? Look at what Jesus said about this in Mark 7, 21. He says, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. That which is seen in your life, that's just simply a reflection of what's really going on in your heart. And remember, this is your heart. This is just a blood pumping machine. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Here's your heart. That's how you reason, you think, understand, and know where you get wisdom. So let your heart be filled with divine wisdom that comes from the book of Proverbs. And that becomes the controlling force in your life. For you see, when my heart is right, when your heart is right, then our goals are right. God will approve them. And not only that, he will make it happen. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give thee the desires of thine heart. And so what's accomplished as we take heed to divine wisdom. When we take that divine wisdom and apply it. So he closes out this chapter. Ponder the path of thy feet. Watch where you're going. Don't just go because it's the thing to do. 
Where, where are you going? I don't know. God, I just want to go. I just got to go. I, you need to watch where you're going. Be wise. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Know where you are going. And then he says in verse 27, Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy feet or foot from evil. Keep on going. Right? Just keep on going. Just walk right on by. Watch where you're going. Know where you're going and keep on going. A path of wisdom. The voice of wisdom. Calling forth, beckoning us to a richer, fuller, longer, and better life, preparing us for the life to come. And so the psalmist would say, so teach us to number our days. I think I heard that in a prayer, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 12. The wisest thing that a person could do, could ever do, is to come to Christ.